to Jerusalem. I want you to see this as we begin in verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass that when we had departed from them and set sail, running a straight course, we came to Kos, the following day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left, sailed to Syria, and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unload her cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. When we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way. And they all accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we knelt down on the shore and prayed. When we had taken our leave of one another, we boarded the ship, and they returned home. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemaeus, greeted the brethren, and stayed with them one day. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea, and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns the belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and those from the place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we see saying, The will of the Lord be done. Determined obedience that Paul has to the will of God. Notice when you're reading this, it just seems like the narrative of how Paul is moving to and fro. I mean, we have seen that through the book of Acts. We see how Paul on his missionary journeys how he's going to different areas, and it just seems like that basic narrative again. I mean, here he is going from this place to that place, and it just seems like a travel log for so many of us until you recognize that Paul is moving with the intentionality of going back to Jerusalem. And he begins to see what God is calling him to do, and he begins to see a clear picture of the consequences he will face as he goes to Jerusalem. Now, he's going to Jerusalem, Primarily to deliver an offering. Remember this, we find out this uh, background from his letters in particular, is that he is going to Jerusalem to help those who had gone through this moment of famine. He's collected this offering from the Gentile church. And you've got to love the way Paul is, is really bringing together the church of the Lord Jesus. I mean, the Gentile churches that are out there, they are helping, they are providing for, the, for those, that church in Jerusalem from a Jewish background. He is bringing them together, Jew and Gentile. And as he is going, and he knows what he's supposed to do, he hears, he hears from those disciples as God speaks to them about the consequences he will face. No doubt, as you read this narrative, you'll see both at Tyre and then through the prophet Agabus, Paul is told that he will face imprisonment if he goes to Jerusalem. And it says that many of them will beg him not to go. So let me just give you a couple a couple of statements around this determined obedience. One, I think 
that God has called us to be determined in our obedience regardless of the consequences that will follow, okay? In other words, God has called us to be obedient to him no matter what will come our way. Now, that's easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, it's one thing to be obedient when you know it's going to be good at the end. You, you know what I'm saying? When God says, hey, I want you to go out and I want you to eat a piece of lemon ice box pie. You know it's going to be awesome. God, thank you. We're so thankful you call us to those kinds of things. We want to be about those kinds of things. But what happens when God calls you to do something that's hard, that's difficult? When you know going in that you may face some difficult consequences for your faith, for your obedience. So here Paul is. He's going to Jerusalem. He has the intent. He's got to go down and see the church. Those at Tyre, they say, hey, the Spirit has spoken to us. And the Spirit says, when you go to Jerusalem, there are going to be some very difficult days you face. Don't go. It's coming. And then, not only is, do the disciples at Tyre say that, but you have the prophet Agabus. Now, we've been introduced to the prophet Agabus before in the book of Acts. What did Agabus do? Well, he had prophesied that there would be a famine in Jerusalem. He had told them, and it had come true. So, in other words, this was a prophet that knew what he was talking about. He had already demonstrated that his words had credibility. And now he comes to Paul and says, hey, Paul, I want to I do this, okay? Come, come here, Paul. Come here, come here. Uh, let, me, let me have your belt, Paul. I, you, you see, if, let, me, let me just kind of wrap your hands here. I, I want to give you a visual of what's going to happen. Agabus certainly is in that vein of the Old Testament prophets that would sometimes act out their message so that the people could understand the prophecy and, and see it clearly. And Agabus says, guess what, Paul? You go to Jerusalem, this is what you're going to look like. You are going to be bound. You are going to be imprisoned. How does Paul respond? I got to go. This is the will of God. This is what I'm supposed to be about. I have got to go to Jerusalem. Now, listen, I think this is more than stubbornness. Many of us know what stubbornness looks like, right? Many of us probably have been stubborn before. If we had just a moment of confession as the Holy Spirit convicted us on stubbornness, we probably would have an altar full of people tonight, right? And a bunch of liars, too, because you won't, you won't admit it this night. All of us have probably been stubborn in some way. And, and sometimes we just get in our mind, this is what we're going to do, and we're just going to do it. And when we read through this, I think we can dismiss, sometimes we too easily dismiss Paul's reaction as stubbornness. Paul was not just being stubborn. Paul tried to live with the wisdom and discernment. There were other times in his ministry that we've already seen that he escaped in certain areas, or he moved from certain areas. So that he would not cause more hostility. He was very sensitive to the Holy Spirit's work in his life. It wasn't just stubbornness. What you see in Paul is a determined obedience. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was calling him to Jerusalem. 
And he wanted to fulfill what God was calling him to do. Even if the prophet who has said, this is going to happen, is right. And he, he is right. I'm still going to be obedient, Paul says. I said to you earlier that the life of the disciple will take the shape of the life of his or her Lord. Some people have called this Paul's Gethsemane moment. Just as Jesus Christ knew what was coming to him, what he was facing. And yet he demonstrated the determined obedience that was necessary before the Father. I mean, think of this. Jesus committed to the will of God no matter what consequences would come his way. He knew, Jesus knew, that he had come to die a sacrificial death. Jesus knew that he would not only hang upon the cross, but he would literally take upon the sins of the world. The physical suffering that Jesus would have to endure. The spiritual suffering that Jesus would have to endure. And yet, knowing all of that, knowing exactly what was coming his way, what did Jesus pray? Not my will, but your will be done. See, that's determined obedience. That's determined faith. Whatever it is, no matter what comes our way, we will be obedient. And that's what you see in Paul's life. And I believe that's what God wants to cultivate in our lives as well. Whatever comes our way. Whatever comes our way. Now listen, I am so thankful, I am so thankful that we live in a nation that still has the freedom that it has today. I'm still thankful for that. Listen, I am so thankful that I can come on Sunday morning with you and basically we can worship the way we wish to worship. We can read the scripture, we can pray, we can do all those things without any type of governmental influence here on Sunday mornings. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? I mean, it, it's awesome to know that we can worship in such free ways and we can, we can practice our faith. I'm all thankful for that and grateful. But are we determined in our lives to be faithful and obedient even when the culture itself may begin to push back toward our message, toward our testimony, toward a biblical perspective on the cultural issues. Are we ready to be obedient through all of those things? Listen, are we, just, are we willing to be obedient even if it may make some people uncomfortable and angry around us? Are we willing to do it? Sometimes, sometimes we are so thin-skinned that we hear certain people talking about our faith or something like that that we begin to try to, well, we begin to try to mediate or modulate in our faith in some way. Maybe we won't talk about it as much or we're concerned about things. There's a pushing back. And we just allow that to mold us. If we can never deal with the words that come from a 
culture that is hostile toward us, if we can't deal with the words, how do you think we would ever be obedient when it came to true persecution? God wants us to be determined in our faith, no matter what. Determine our obedience. And here, Jesus has given us an example. Now, Paul has given us an example. He says, I know this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. No matter what the consequences come, our way. Let me give you this second thought real quickly. God calls us to be determined in our faith, determined in our obedience. No matter who goes along, and no matter who tries to discourage us. Now, listen. When I read this, these few verses, I understand that Paul's friends have good intentions. They don't want to see Paul go through these difficulties, right? They, they don't. They plead with him at Tyre. They said, please, Paul, just, just don't go up there. Just, just, just don't go up there. We, we don't want to see you go through these difficulties. That, that would be natural, right? That would be natural. For some of us um, who have um, seen maybe our children, our grandchildren, our friends, others go to different missions contexts around the world where we knew that they would face difficulty. The personal part of us would want to say, man, can't you find another? Do you really? Is that the place you really need to be? I mean, that's the personal part of us, right? It's our affection for those individuals. It's our love for those individuals. We don't want to see them placed in such difficult context. So, so don't just go back and beat up the people of Tyre. Don't, don't, go, up and, don't go up and think badly just of the people around Paul. They, they just love him. They just want, want to see the best. But Paul says... No, this is what God has called me to do, and this is what I'm going to do. This is what God wants for my life, and I am committed to this task. You've got to love the way this scene is painted for us. As he gets ready to leave Tyre, it says that the families come out to see him. One of the only times, I think, that you'll see such a scene of the families coming out to see the missionary, children themselves, it says, will join in. And they'll see Paul off. And obviously there is the sending him off. It, it reminds you of, the, of that tender moment that you see in Acts 20 of the Ephesian elders sending Paul off and the tears. They send him off because they love him. They love him. And then later on, after they hear the story from Agabus in the prophecy, it says that they begin to try to discourage Paul. Notice what he, Paul's response in verse 13. What do you mean by weeping? So they're crying over it. Again, their affection, their love for Paul. It says, and breaking my heart. Breaking my heart. I, I studied um, that word in particular, this idea of breaking my heart. It, it's a word that's used in the New Testament and in the Greek language, to talk about the, the pounding and washing of clothes. Um, kind of like you would take your clothes and you would take them down to the river and you would maybe pound them against the rock and, and uh, wash them and all that kind of stuff. So you know what I'm talking about? Did it about 150 years ago. Bill Cox, you remember that. Remember when y'all did that about 150 years ago, something like that? 
um, where they would pound the clothes and all of that. And, and so, so basically, some people will even translate this as Paul is talking to them. Why, why are you pounding on my heart? Why, why, why are you crying and why are you pounding on my heart? Because understand, Paul was not like, he, he was not rushing toward martyrdom. That wasn't what he was trying to do. He wasn't just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm all in this because, man, I'm waiting. I'm so proud persecution's coming my way. That's not the idea you should get from Paul. Paul just says, this is what I'm supposed to do. And this is what God has called me to. And I know it's difficult. And it is difficult for me to leave y'all. And I love y'all. I know that this is tearing you apart. But I must fulfill the will of God. You know, again, I think about Jesus, right? And the way when he was going to the cross, it, it was a lonely path to the cross. It was a lonely path. Now, I know he had his disciples, but even when he tried to mention the cross to them, they often just denied the reality of it. They, they kept saying, oh, Jesus, it's not going to happen. Jesus, no, 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 no. We would not. Peter, you can see him. Peter, no, it's not going to happen on my watch. I'm going to be right there. We, Jesus couldn't even really talk to them about it because they couldn't even envision that Jesus would have to sacrifice himself, that he would have to go through such pain and suffering. The night before again in Gethsemane, when he's there, what are his disciples doing? Sleeping. Sleeping. Just stay awake for a little while and pray for me. Just a little while. Sleeping. Not just once, but three times or so he awakens them. And yet, despite the friends who failed him in some ways, Jesus was committed to the will of the Father. And for Paul, he was committed to the will of God no matter what the friends would say. Again, even well-intentioned friends that wanted him to just simply remove himself, abandon this trip to Jerusalem. Even well-intentioned friends did not stop him from fulfilling the will of God. You know, one of these days when uh, you and I stand before God, as we give account of the responsibilities that God is, that he has tasked us with and the fulfillment, hopefully, of those responsibilities. Yeah, understand that when we stand before God, we are not giving account of all the things other people did. We're not giving account, we're not even giving account of why we did things because of what they did. We should stand before him with a testimony of faithfulness, with a testimony of saying, God, it didn't matter what anybody else said. I knew what you said. And God, I'm going to, I, I obeyed you just as you called me. And that's difficult sometimes when nobody else will go along. But yet God requires determined obedience in our lives. And I think that, again, is what you see of Paul. I think that's what you see of Jesus. Determined obedience despite the consequences. Determine obedience despite those who will or who will not go along. Determine obedience. 
And you got to take note. You've got to hear the significance of verse 14 when it says, He would not be persuaded. So we ceased. Notice Dr. Luke includes himself in that. He says, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. We can try all day to change his mind. But Paul, he is sold out to the will of God. We, we can try to impress our relationships upon him and our affection for him and somehow try to, it's not going to happen. Paul is going to be faithful. While certainly our friends may be disappointed, wouldn't that be a great badge, a great testimony to wear? That they know, not that we're stubborn, but that they know we are determined in our obedience to the Father, whatever it is. That they would know in our lives that no matter what comes, we are faithful to the will. That God has designed for our lives. It is a challenge for us. And I pray it is a challenge that we will accept. And we will commit ourselves to. Even this week. For whatever the will of God is for us. That we will be determined. In our obedience. Let's pray. Father. We thank you again for this night. We thank you for your spoken word. We thank you for. Lord. uh, Just the revelation that you give us. And we pray that tonight as we look and we see how the life of the disciple reflects the life of his Lord. I pray that we would take inventory upon our lives. And that Lord you would help us to see how we reflect you. How we mirror you in our determination and in our faith and our trust. God, tonight, you may be calling some of us to do some um, some difficult things. It may be a mission trip, short term. It may be, Lord, a, a more of a long term setting. Lord, it may be something in our family as we minister. But God, I pray that we would be determined in whatever it is. And even when it looks like, Lord, the days may be difficult ahead because we've chosen that path, I pray we'd be faithful to your calling upon our lives. And God, help us, empower us to be about your will. Thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here. Speak to all of us now and allow us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?